Hello everyone, this is Tim Dodd. Welcome to the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. Faithful to give witness to tens of thousands, yes, and to the millions that believe it. And believes in I believe that God's going to let me live to pack it until all around the world it's been circulated. Greetings, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. On today's podcast, we bring news from Southeast Asia. We have a special guest here, Brother Vernon Manahan, pastor of Message Church in Manila, the country of the Philippines. He's been in Canada for the past few days. We've had the privilege of hearing him speak for us at Clover the Bible Way. He spoke on Friday and Sunday morning. And uh, we have him here in the studio with Brother Tim Dodd. They'll be discussing all the missionary efforts led by Brother Vernon regarding Southeast Asia. There have been some open doors in places like Laos, Thailand, Vietnam, and we'll be hearing more about it shortly. Brother Tim Dodd. Thank you, Brother Jean. It's good to be back again today. We have a special guest, as you said, Brother Vernon Manahan, pastor from Philippines, and has been a pastor for a number of years, but before that, worked with Bible believers in um, the great effort that was done to print and distribute the message in those days. I think it was uh, print as well as audio, but welcome, Brother Vernon. To Thank the you, Martin, for having me here. Amen. Well, it's it's wonderful to be able to sit down with different brothers from around the world and just get an update, uh, help the people to understand what is happening. The Lord is doing tremendous things all around the world, every kindred, tongue, and nation, and we enjoy. It is a blessing to the people, and we thoroughly enjoy hearing from the different brothers. So, just briefly, uh, give us a little bit of your background, how you came into the message, how you uh, worked with Bible believers, and and what you're doing today. Well, we I was part of the group that was working in a five-star hotel during that time, back in the 90s. And there was a brother who, who started working there and just started sharing the message to different employees of the hotel. And so uh, it came to pass that uh, we... We, he was able to gather some more of uh, brothers and sisters there, not yet baptizing the message. And then he started inviting a pastor from the message who did a regular weekly Bible study. And from mm-hmm. that uh, from that time, we, we had regular Bible study and hearing the message until each one of us, uh, each one of us started to have the desire to be baptized and accept the message. Amen. And then you... That was in the 90s. When did you start working with Bible believers? Well, Brother, Brother Ed went to the Philippines uh, in December of 1994. Okay. And the uh, works, I mean, the Bible study of the employees there started in 1995. So we didn't even, I, I didn't even know Brother Ed was there because I was uh-huh. not yet a believer. But when the Bible studies uh, started rolling and we accepted and then uh, we were distributed to other churches, and there was one church who made uh, the that Shangri-La Hotel like a, a regular outreach, and so uh, we we continued as um, as believers, new believers, and then but the office of the Bible believers started actually in May of 1995, May of okay. 1995. So there were other brothers who were managing the printing, the duplication of tapes, mm-hmm. the translation. So they have a group of translation and 
by 1999, they wanted to consolidate all the operation of Bible believers. So from uh, the group, the the small office that are duplicating tapes and from another office that are translating and printing the books, they want to put it together and have a one central operation. Mm-hmm. And so that is when they were looking for somebody who'd manage the whole operation. Okay. And Brother Ernie Villanueva was that was uh, that time he went and he was looking for brothers who are not pastors but has the capability of managing a, right. a bigger operation. So he went to Shangri-La. Okay. And they actually asked uh, a brother there who was uh, I was he was my boss actually. He was mm. my manager. And he was looking for somebody to manage and during that time I was uh, I think I was just four years in the message and I was looking for something to do for the Lord. Mm. I don't know what it is because I was not yet, uh, I'm not, I mean, I was not looking for for any ministry, but I just want to do something that has, uh, something that will, uh, I mean, I would contribute to the spreading of the message. Okay. And when Brother Ernie uh, talked to me, asked me, and they, he told me the the scope of the responsibility, then I I really, I uh, felt that this was what the Lord is calling me to do. Amen. The Lord yeah. was working on both ends. Yes. Bo- they were looking for someone ends. and yeah. the Lord was already and preparing And I was looking you. for something. Yeah. Amen. That's often, almost always how we hear it. You know, yeah. God, God is the one that's really running this yeah. whole yeah. <laughs> uh, spreading of this message. That's we're just true. trying to walk through the open doors that that's he gives true. us. Yeah. yeah. And when did you start pastoring? I started to pastor in 2005. Okay. I started preaching in 1998. Then uh, I was doing like the works of an evangelist, just going out and uh, going to different churches. But when I got engaged with the Bible believers, I was more exposed to other churches mm-hmm. because I was uh, like, as I often uh, uh, describe it, it's like I'm uh, the logistics mm-hmm. of all the message sure. materials. So I have to be in the neutral side Mm-hmm. not siding on different groups because my goal was just to 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 supply right. the books that all the message churches in the Philippines are needing. Mm-hmm. So I had the access from the whole islands to go and they 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 uh they they have welcomed me to 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 distribute to them the books and everything like not not, not only the, the the books but the also the tapes, the seed tape libraries during the time. Okay. And so while preaching also at the same time and managing, then I I was able to, in my list during the time, there were 600 churches all over the Philippines. 600 churches. 600. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. The Philippines population is about how many? Well, about Total. 120 million. 120 million people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's about 600 churches yes. spread throughout spread the, the islands. Tell the people yeah. how many islands there are in the Philippines. 7,700 islands. <laughs> 7,700 islands. So the yeah. logistics, if you're the logistics man, the logistics yeah. of reaching all those places yes, is horrendous. Yes, yes, I remember when I was there, I think it was 2014. 2014, yeah. Yeah, that we were actually supposed to visit where the church where the typhoon hit yeah. and the believers were in the church yeah. and, the, and the waters were up the walls on yes. the outside yes. of the church. It yes. was a supernatural testimony. Yes. But at the last minute, they shut down the airport. Yeah. The, and so getting there was impossible. Yeah, impossible. Yeah. Right. 
and uh, the reason they shut down the airport was to prepare for the Pope's visit yeah, of all things. Right. <laughs> and so we didn't get to go there. Yeah. But uh, nevertheless, um, always have an appreciation for the Filipino people, as most of us do. There's Filipinos all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> now, language-wise, um, let's talk about that for a minute. There's two major languages, or yeah. at least I understand, yes. Tagalog and Cebuano. Tagalog and Cebuano. Okay. What, is one of them more used than the other? Actually, the, the national language is Tagalog, mm-hmm. but uh, Cebuano is, being, is spoken in the southern part of the Philippines. Okay. But uh, Tagalog being the, the, lang- the dialect in the, in the capital, so it's like the national language. Mm-hmm. So most uh, all the Filipinos can understand Tagalog. Okay. Now, I know on the message hub... There's about, well, there's 144, 145 Cebuano messages right now. Mm-hmm. And there's slightly more than that Tagalog. And we actually are, are active in Tagalog. Yeah, Cebuano, yeah. there hasn't been a translation, another mm-hmm. translation since. Mm-hmm. Well, let me just look it up here. It's since uh, 2018 loaded. But uh, Tagalog was just this month. We had two more translations loaded. Mm-hmm. So we're okay. thankful that's expanding. And one of the great things is the Church Age book. They're working yeah. on that right now. Yeah. And uh, we'd hope to have that soon for the Yeah, because Tagalog. actually there are many believers asking for a Tagalog translated Church Age book. Mm-hmm. Because they know that it was supposed to be translated many years ago. Do you want to tell the story? Yeah, because uh, yeah, uh, it was being done. And of course, during those times, it was there was no cloud. No, it's, it's just... Uh, diskettes and uh, everything right. and the the original team of the translators they were already doing the first church age second church and everything and then we we have an office there that got caught in a fire mm-hmm. burned so many materials inside including the translated uh, church age books in diskettes right apparently even our computers which supposed to be as the backup was not able to uh, survive the fire. Right. So right. by that time, the our team of translators were already busy in their respective ministries and was not able to go back mm-hmm. and start to to translate again these things. Right. So I mean, this this the message, the mm-hmm. church age book. So uh, here and then years passed and nobody was able to to do to do it again. Well, we're glad we're getting to it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's good. And uh, we we know it will be a great blessing. We yes, actually have about, uh, I, I've said this several times over recent podcasts, we have five or six languages. We're just wrapping up yeah. church age books yes. in right now. Yes. Uh, some are complete, some are just doing their final edits and yeah. that sort of thing. And uh, Tagalog is just a little ways away. It'll probably take a few more months to finish the first translation, mm-hmm. and then it will go through the final edit process. Yeah, and, yeah and as well as the final formatting process. So we know that'll be a blessing Amen. to Amen. your people over yeah. there. And and uh, now, as part of your ministry, um, you help, and, and, and let me just say now, let me take a step back. When did the message originally come to the Philippines? The, the, the year that the first missionary from the U.S. went to the Philippines was in 1972. Mm. And the first place that he went to was a province in the middle of the Philippines, and he went direct to a Bible school. Okay. Made contacts there. Okay. And there was one young uh, Bible school student mm-hmm. that uh, who would like to 
he was the only one who accepted the message. Okay. Of course, the, the rest of the Bible school didn't receive it. And so that brother, of course, he passed away now. But uh, during that time, he was the one who started to spread the message okay. in a little group. Right. And then this missionary went back to the U.S. And then when he went back to the Philippines, he went to the southernmost part of the Philippines. Uh, talked to another, was able to be acquainted to another pastor from the denomination. Mm -hmm. So now there are two Philippines, but they don't know each other. Okay. And then the third trip, he went to, to another part in the in the middle of the country and met another pastor. So right. there, there are now three pastors right. receiving the message. They don't know each other, right. but eventually they came to know each other and that it's, it, it started spreading upward, going to the north. Amen. Northern Islands. You know, sometimes people, especially the younger generation, don't realize what they dealt with in those days. Yeah. There's no internet. Mm -hmm. There's no cell phones. Mm -hmm. You know, the communication is by mail, written mail, posted, sent through the post office, yeah. arriving at the other ends. There certainly was phones. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so these brothers not knowing each other no. would not be unusual. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The communication back then is not like it is right. today. You know, nowadays, like I, I get a, an email from somebody in Ethiopia and they want to know more about the message and I'll just forward that email to Brother Mogus, the yeah. pastor in Addis Ababa, and he'll make the contact to the brother down in a certain region. And right. and and through that, they're easily connected. Yeah. But that wasn't the way back then. Yeah. <laughs> but now in the Philippines, I know you have many solid ministers yes. in the message of the hour. And because of that, the Lord is using you brothers to reach out into other countries. Yeah, some that's, very needy countries. Yeah. That's the thing, because uh, back in the 1990s, of course, um, you know, the Philippines is a, like a third world country. Not everybody's capable of going outside of the Philippines. Mm -hmm. But the Lord has blessed the ministry. And by the grace of God, we started going out. Uh, I mean, not, not myself, but some other older ministers started to go out of Asian, Southeast Asian countries. Mm -hmm. Because we, we are not required of visa. Okay. So it's it will be easier for us to go to Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, Myanmar, uh, these these countries, mm -hmm. and they have we have they have there are believers there, but uh, not not so many. Mm -hmm. And so there was there were two pastors, brother Danny and brother Nestor, who started going out in the early two thousand. That's brother Danny Del Mundo. Brother, brother Dan Del Mundo is also one of our translators okay. before in Bible right. believers. Yes. Yes. Brother Nestor Espanol. Espanolo was one of the board of trustees of the Office of Bible Believers. Okay. So both of them were connected with Bible Believers since then. Sure. And so I believe that they they got inspiration from what Bible Believers was doing. And now this time they're um, uh, going out, starting this, uh, what we call the Mystery Expo in other countries. Mm, okay. So what they will do, they will... Uh, gather ministers from denomination. Like for example, in Cambodia, they will do it, uh, Vietnamese and Cambodian. So they will have two interpreters. One for okay. the Vietnamese, one for Brother Danny. We do the same in Myanmar and Malaysia, Indonesia. And so from this mystery expose, of course, not everybody will accept it, but there will be solid ministers who will accept it. Right. And they'll be the one to share it to their own people. Well, let's talk about some of these individual cases. For example, Vietnam. We have a long history with Vietnam yes. here at Bible Believers. And, of course, there was Brother Timothy Ma yeah. who worked here. 
And he was very successful in translation. Yeah. But not very successful in planting churches. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and he would go over there and he accomplished a hundred hundreds of translations in the country of Vietnam. And we have them on the on the internet and, and maybe just to remind people um, in that way, we've got five hundred and seventy Vietnamese translations, oh, yeah. which is tremendous. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the majority of the message. Mm-hmm. However, getting to the brothers, the ministers in that country, uh, I know is a bit of a process. And you yes. don't actually go into Vietnam yeah. to fellowship or to minister to the ministers. Yeah. Why don't you explain that? Um, if you can, like this will be public information. <laughs> yeah, yeah. because uh, the time that uh, uh, I start, I only, I think I was only in Vietnam once or twice. Mm-hmm. And what we do is uh, we we talk to the ministers in a public place, like a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And these are ministers because you cannot, you, you're not free to preach in the churches there right. unless you have some connection that you can do that, right? And uh, so what we do is we talk, we, we meet with them in a restaurant or inside a hotel room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So not so many, some people then when they go there, they just share to them. These are already message believers. They they right. already read uh, translated books. Right. But I, during that time, I think the what is needed is a live ministry because we would end up in a question and answer mm-hmm. about doctrines, about, yep. you know, uh, more clarification uh, that they need to hear from the message. Mm-hmm. And so there are other missionaries, I believe, from New Zealand who have been there from the United States and they have done a great job doing that. But what we were doing, the Filipino brothers, were like, was, was like a follow-through. Right. So right. so there will be a continuity of of what was happening and until you know a pandemic came and nobody can can travel <laughs> well it's it's like you know i just ministered on the subject of the the ethiopian eunuch you know in the bible as he came from jerusalem to go back home and the lord sent philip to talk to him he had a bible yep he was reading the direct quotes yes of uh, isaiah yeah talking about the messiah yeah he was led as a lamb to the slaughter right but as as Philip joined himself to the chariot, the, he says he says, uh, "Do you understand what you read?" He says, "How can I understand unless some man explain it?" To yes, me? Exactly, exactly. It's the same in the message. Yeah, you know, I gave a little a little nudge in the service. I said, I said that you know the eunuch said the brothers in Jerusalem said just press play. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't yeah. work. You yeah, know? that's not God's pattern. Right. And the biblical pattern is somebody would go there and explain to them what they have read already. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's that's one of the things that is needed in Southeast Asia, because there have been translators, um, translated books in the past many years. Mm-hmm. But what we need is a live preaching, because most of the time they would ask questions that you know need to be addressed. Sure, and that's. I think those are the two key ingredients. I think we talked about this before yeah. the other day when we were talking is that number one, they need translation mm. and they need the message in their language. Number two, they need ministry, especially ministers of their own people. Yes, exactly. For the message to be, to have the full impact, those both of those things need to be in place. Yes. And uh, while we can go in like yourselves and the other brothers in the Philippines and and uh, New Zealand and those countries in that area right. can go in 
and preach the message and and help the brothers in their doctrinal understanding. Yeah. But yet it will only flourish when local ministry rises up. Yes. That's what, at least what we've found in many countries. Yeah, I think it's all the same, yeah, because you get the natives saved and let the natives, yeah, exactly. spread the message. Exactly. Like, for example, in Cambodia, there's this young brother, Brother Paul, that we have helped and mm-hmm. uh, uh, made the, establish a printing station there just before the pandemic. He, he, he can he can go, he, he has his gift, you know, he can speak Laos, Thai, mm-hmm. he can understand. Right. So he can go around and... And his and, own language, In his own language, is which Khmer? is Khmer, yeah. yeah. And so people would understand him better than us. Sure. Speaking English there, right? And he understands their culture. Yes, he understands that's their exactly people. right. He understands what the people are dealing with on their yeah. day-to-day yeah. lives. Yeah. And as much as Philippines would be Southeast Asia as well as Cambodia or Vietnam or Khmer or, or Laos or Thailand or any of those countries all in the general vicinity, but they have different governments. Yeah. They have different rules. Yes. They have different ways to operate, I'll say, around those rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And things that the local people feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And that's why local ministry is so, so important. And we pray for that very, very diligently. Like in the Philippines, way back in the in the earlier years, uh, if a white man will go there and preach, mm-hmm. there will be many who will attend. Sure. Because it's a white man. Sure. I mean, it's a foreigner. Mm-hmm. And we have this, I would call, colonial mentality that if a white man preaches, it's better than the local preachers. There's many countries yeah. that are like that. <laughs> yeah. But then as they grow, you know, uh, older in the message, they wanted to hear uh, the local ministry, not because they don't want to hear the foreigners anymore, but this local ministry, they know the culture, the daily needs of the people. Exactly. And they can tailor fit the message to the needs of the people. Amen. Yeah. Amen, brother. So it's, it's a good teamwork between the foreign missionaries with the local ministry. Amen. Yeah. Now, brother Paul, do you work with brother Paul yourself? Or yeah. You know? yeah. We Because when I started working with brother Nestor for Cambodia, we we had him in the uh, in the Philippines and we, we were working with him, establishing like like a Bible believer's office there. Okay. And uh, because- I've seen the pictures. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. Uh, he's, he's, I mean, he's a very young man and he, he has this burden mm-hmm. for the Cambodian people. Yeah. And he's uploaded to the message of 144 translations yes. yeah. in the Khmer language. Yeah. You know, I he's wish, very gifted when it comes to translation. Yeah, and and also I won't say just translation. He's gifted in many ways. Oh yeah, because he's he's very organized. Yes, very diligent. Obviously, yeah. he preaches. Yeah, so many things. It's great to see a young, talented man like that rise yeah. up and inspire others. Right. to to the work of the Lord. Um, like you say, he speaks Laos. Yes. Okay. Now we only have seven translations in Laos, and I know Brother Paul's not working in that language, so. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but in Cambodia, how many churches would you say are in the message or are there churches in the message? Well, in before, yeah, be, there are already message churches because the time that uh, we were going there, uh, I think the last time we were there was 2019, uh, we had that third uh, camp meeting. Mm-hmm. So there were around six churches that came in that went there. And some of the, the brothers from Laos, Laos went also to the... okay. And how across, many, across how many groups are in Laos? Are um, there a number? Actually in Laos, they, because only the ministers are, are, are the ones able to go there. Mm-hmm. They belong to the what they call the Laos, LEC, Laos Evangelical Church. Mm. 
that's like the three self church in okay in China okay the government so approved church is licensed but okay. these some of these members they of course there's they have accepted the message mm-hmm. so they are like you know uh, starting to share the message some of them I think were kicked out from that right. group so what happens to them in Laos when they're kicked out then they have to to stand by their own so they're underground sort yes of some like China? Sort of, I believe they are some sort of like that because they're not licensed to 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 to, to preach on a church that is not accredited okay. by the, that group. Sometimes in North America, we underappreciate freedom of religion. Oh, yes. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what it's like in the Philippines, but uh, I think that uh, we take it for granted. Yeah. You know, it's mm. in our constitution, <laughs> whether it be Canada or United States, mm. and, and we think it's an easy thing. But uh, Brother Branham has talked about, you know, it will be difficult. Yes. We yeah. don't exactly know yeah. what that means you want to use the term the squeeze or shutting down the churches yeah. or or those different statements that brother Branham makes oh i don't i don't occupy my mind trying to figure out what that is yeah. i just try and operate in what i have to operate yeah. in today uh-huh. and so but having been overseas and seeing these churches and being in areas where you have to be very careful there's even parts of india mm-hmm. where it's not a government rule that you can't have a church you have to be very, very careful yeah, because yeah. of the fanatical Hindus yeah. in some of the regions. And uh, so to experience that is certainly prepares you for the potentiality of yes. what might be yeah. even in North America. May the Lord give us freedom of religion Amen. as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Now, that's that's we've talked about Cambodia. We've talked about Laos, Thailand. There's not many believers there. Yeah, there's a, there's a few believers I believe that... Uh, I, they had a church somewhere. I forgot the name, but uh, I, I have heard um, it was Bible believers supporting them before mm. that 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 group and uh, that church. But um, apparently, the pastor got old already, and um, mm-hmm. it's not that active anymore. Right. And right. there's a sister who who translates the message into Thai language. Yes, I've met her. She, yeah, yeah, Sister Esther. Yeah. She's in the U.S. now. Yeah, but I think I, I think she still continues to to she translate. occasionally translates. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we were going there, uh, she was the contact. We they would set up meetings with local pastors from denomination, mm. and so we had the chance to speak about the message, mm-hmm. uh, to talk about the message in these uh, sessions that they will make. There will be um, like uh, question and answers at the end. And they would invite you again, mm-hmm. but there's really no like really established church right. message churches. Right. So the it, people that are listening can really pray for Thailand. Oh yes, we yeah. have 44 translations, as you yeah, mentioned. Yeah. Sister Esther's yeah. done most, if not all, of those, and uh, we're thankful for that. So the message is in their language. Yeah, uh, it's just a matter of, you know, God in His time. And there's one thing we learned in Ethiopia, and I keep going back to it because it's a unique experience, and that is that. God's timing is sovereign. Mm-hmm. You know, when God's going to take his word into the, a country and establish it there, he just does it. Yes. And he opens a door yep. and he anoints a man or mm-hmm. men and it works and it comes together. Yep. And uh, so we'll pray the same for Thailand. Amen. You know, yeah. just the same as we do for Japan. Now, we yeah. had a podcast with Brother yeah, Fed. Yeah, Fed, yeah. But uh, you've been to Japan. Yes, uh, to th- I was there uh, January of 2020, and it was the time that Brother Fed we 
together with Brother Danny and Brother Nestor, we we ordained Brother Fed to be okay. like the pastor there. But of course, he's a Filipino. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as we were talking about, it is, it's good that if there are locals, Japanese national, yeah. that will become pastors in, in the future. Mm-hmm. But I think the the work there, Brother Fed is doing a great job. Amen. There's another part near Nagoya that they are going to. Mm-hmm. And these are some Japanese with some Brazilians. There's a Filipino, Japanese, and some Chinese that Brother Murphy knows knows them. Yes. The Chinese uh, believers that are there. I keep telling Murphy he's got to go there yeah. <laughs> and visit them. And yes. As well as some of these other places. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why he feels so reluctant, <laughs> but uh, we just pray that the Lord will put a burden yes. on. I think Brother Murphy would be a great blessing yeah. in any of those places. And I believe because uh, there's there's a local, there's a pastor in the Philippines who is Filipino-Chinese. And just a week before I went here, he said he wanted he wanted to meet personally, uh, in person with Brother Murphy because he has relatives in Taiwan, this local Filipino Chinese brother mm-hmm. that uh, he wanted to start a work in Taiwan. That would be wonderful. I don't think there's any works in Taiwan. No, I, I, not that I know of. Now, Japan is a is a country of, I think, about 200 million people. Mm-hmm. Taiwan, for people that are not real familiar with the logistics, Taiwan is the place that the old regime of China took refuge in yes. when they had the civil war, which was around or just after the second world yeah. war. Yeah. And the island of Taiwan, uh, there's a lot of political dispute, which we're not interested in the politics, but there's about 24 million Chinese in on, Taiwan. In Taiwan. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yet the message has not gone there. And uh, we certainly, if people want to pray, pray that the Lord will open a door. And there's this, as you say, Filipino-Chinese yeah, brother yeah. in Philippines yes. that is burdened yes. for the country of Taiwan. He's actually a pastor in the Philippines, but okay. all his relatives are in Taiwan. My, may the Lord open the Amen. door. Amen. Amen. That would be that would be wonderful. Amen. And I'm just thinking now, we've talked about uh, Cambodia, uh, Thailand. Laos, um, did we miss, I feel like I miss Myanmar. Myanmar. Uh, do you have any contacts in Myanmar? Brother Danny Del Mundo would have all these contacts in, in Myanmar. Right. Because he's the one concentrating on that area. Okay. Also in Malaysia. Yeah. So brothers are going from the Philippines into Myanmar. Yeah. Uh, we have, again, uh, there's a great translation work that has happened. We have a lot of uh, Myanmar translations uh, we have 400, I was going to say Japan, we have over 400 translations, and we're happy for that. Um, and then Myanmar is, here we go, 390 translations. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So there's been some great yeah. effort put in by the yeah. brothers there yeah. that we've had contact with, and Bible Believers actually did sponsor that, so we're we're very happy for that. Mm-hmm. Amen. What's your plans for the future? Well, we uh, by the end of this year, we are planning to resume the the trips, this Asian mission works, by going again back to Cambodia and hopefully uh, reestablish the contact that we had in Thailand. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to one of the the pastors in Vietnam, but uh, of course they, we cannot. We need the interpreter there because they they don't speak English. So right, right. We need uh, the interpreter there. 
So brother Danny, on the other hand, is I think is he would reestablish the 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 works again in Myanmar, also in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. So we kind of divide the 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 works. Mm-hmm. Brother Nestor and myself are going to Cambodia, Thailand. Okay. Brother Danny is going in the other side. Okay. He's also bringing in some some past local pastors that could help him mm-hmm. and because they're so used to do, do going to these places they 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 just have to reestablish the contact because of the pandemic you know? right and our target like for example in Cambodia our target is by November mm-hmm. this year they have long holidays if they can reestablish again like, I mean they can start again this uh, like meetings or camp meetings then we will do it invite the brothers from Laos mm-hmm. and hopefully meet them again personally. Okay. And by next year, next mm-hmm. year, um, this is the meeting that you you were present, one of the speakers during the time, the Asian Ministers Ministers right. Conference. Right. Uh, but it will be hosted in India. Mm-hmm. My brother Roshan. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's still, it's still in the planning stage, but okay. uh, not no confirmed dates or right. uh, anything yet, but Initially, that was the discussion. Brother Roshan's an old friend of mine. Yeah. In fact, it was Brother Roshan was, I think, the first overseas trip that I ever made was to go and visit Brother Roshan. Oh. He was still single at the time. (laughs) And, uh, of course, now he's pastor established many, many churches. Yes, yes. Has a wonderful family that's grown up. Amen. We appreciate Brother Roshan. Amen. And uh, that's wonderful. So what, what is your biggest burden right now? Missions-wise, what is your biggest burden? As you have said, brother Tim, because we we were we are, you have been doing so many things about the translation, the message job, and everything. But I think uh, one of the things that is really needed in in this part of the world is, is more on live ministry, mm-hmm. not to start churches, but to you know to to ground them, right? To establish the to people. establish more mm-hmm. and uh, make bring them to maturity because they all have the this uh, these messages but i think s- the people i mean elder ministers should go there and preach more mm. of the th- deep things of the word and you know just just continue to ground all the these believers and once this the the ministers in this uh, the countries get grounded they can do the same for their own right fellow countrymen right yeah i hear your burden yeah brother vernon you know that's that is a big burden, and and not, you know, when we ground, when we say we ground the people in the word or we establish them in the present truth, it's not to establish people in my ideas or somebody else's. Yes, ideas, exactly. Which as is what has happened. Yeah, in because previous that's years. that's that's the thing that is happening, and uh, that's sometimes you think you are establishing them, but not in the present truth, but in your own opinion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. trying to make a group or anything, but. But I believe there's a gen, genuine, genuine missionary-minded fivefold ministry that God has ordained to do those things. Amen. And the people that are there, they will have the discernment to discern the right spirit. Amen. Yeah. I believe that, Brother Vernon. You know that, and that's important for the local ministry yeah, yeah. to to bring in. And and really, it has to be their burden to, I guess, for lack of a better word, pull on mm-hmm. ministers. Yes. Yeah. that they feel will help them and yes, their people. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, you know, not just to have, uh, and I hate to say it, but you know it's true, in poor countries, not just to pull on people that have money. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. And 
And that can be a real detriment. Yes. Because the, the preacher with the deepest pockets isn't always the preacher with the deepest understanding. Yes. More, some, sometimes it's the reverse. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we'll certainly remember these things in, in prayer and certainly hold them up before the Lord. You know, I think that our listeners love to hear about these things. And if the Lord would ever open a way uh, that, you know, I think even Brother Murphy would be a, a benefit in some of those countries. And uh, we just would trust that God would use them. And continue to use you, Brother Vernon. Amen. We appreciate what you're doing. Appreciate the mission's Amen. burden. And I know you come by it with experience, mm-hmm. having worked with yep. us here. Yes. Yeah. And uh, also seeing the effects of it around the yeah. world. Um, everybody loves the Filipino people. <laughs> They're a lovely people. You know, I often say to my wife, everywhere I see a group of Filipinos like not even believers, just Filipinos, you know, gathered together. They're always laughing. They're always having a good time. You know, they always have a nice spirit about them. And they're such a lovely people in general. And, uh, and so, you know, you go into hospitals and they're working there and they're so kind and they're so gentle, you know, they're working in the hospitality Mm -hmm. industry here and different things. And, I always have a great admiration. You know, why can't I be more like that? You know, they're, they're just a lovely people. Amen. So thank you so much for your time, Brother Vernon. Thank you, Bertin, for giving me some time to, to speak about these missions in Southeast Asia. And I know it will give people a greater understanding of what's happening in that part of the Amen. world. Hundreds Amen. of millions of people in that part of the world that need to hear and receive the message of the hour. We know that God won't lose one. Yep. Yes, and exactly right. That's the promise we have. And that's the assurance. So we're not, yeah. we're not under pressure, yeah. but we want to do all we can yeah. for the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's what Ed is always saying that uh, yeah, we have to do what we need to do. And Amen. Yeah. May it be said of us, we've done what we could. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you, Brother Vernon. God bless you. God bless you. And may the Lord give you a safe journey homeward. Thank you, Brother Tim. God bless you. Amen. It's been wonderful to spend a few minutes talking about missions in Southeast Asia. And, uh, you know, one thing that we have to always recognize is that this work of the Lord in the last days is really another book of Acts. It is supernatural. And it's very, very interesting. And I just want to share something here that even just now, I've just got a text in from the uh, a report in about the country of Myanmar, which we have spoken about. And the country of Myanmar, just to give you an example to the listener, is that is a country that's in great turmoil. And the army are ruling the country. There's checkpoints everywhere. The people are in fear. Some of the churches cannot meet uh, because they're not being allowed to meet. And so you'll certainly want to remember them. But it, in this report that I got, there was a brother that was visiting the country and, and re- was relating some of the a fearfulness that was amongst the people, especially a fear of the military checkpoints. And he relates that the churches that he has gone to uh, that have not been able to have services because of the military. But he said, every checkpoint that we have come to has been unmanned. So in other words, God just opened the way for him to travel throughout the country. And uh, so that's the way we look at it. 
and that's the way we trust the Lord, is that this is supernatural. It is another book of Acts. And as you go through the book of Acts and see how God opened doors for the gospel to get into different areas, that's what we're experiencing in the last days. So as you pray for the work in Southeast Asia, and remember Brother Vernon and the different brothers, Brother Nestor, Brother Danny, different brothers that have been mentioned in this podcast, may you just uh, feel burdened for the work of the Lord in this area and continue to support it with your prayers and your timely support. So God bless you, and we trust that you have enjoyed this podcast. Until next time, shalom. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Remember, friends, the bridegroom will not come until the bride has made herself ready. She must be both called and fully dressed by the Word of God. This was another episode of the Believer's Faith Challenge Report podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in more podcasts and more content as it pertains to mission, please go to our website at BibleWay.org. That's BibleWay.org. And subscribe to our newsletter. We will make sure that we send you updates on a weekly basis of the works that the Lord is doing all over the world. Additionally, you can send us an email at info at Bible-Believers.org. That's info at Bible-Believers.org. And once again, we'd like to thank you for your support. This podcast would not be a success without you. Until next time, may God bless you.